Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And for those of you Android users that love to listen to your podcast on Google Podcasts, fear not, for I am finding out exactly what I need to do to put our wrestling podcast onto Google Podcasts. Hopefully they don't censor us and take away our listens like YouTube does. And now, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. In today's topic, the history of the King of the Ring. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello, David. And Craig. Your Majesty. <laughs> bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the history of the King of the Ring. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. No, Dave, this should bring nightmares to you. Do you remember this song, Dave? I remember taking delicious shots last year, yes. Dave, this is the King of the Ring theme song, but remember when we made the bet, that was my theme song, wasn't it, Dave? I want you to say it out loud right now. I beat you. I am the King of the Ring of the podcast. And I won, uh, I, All I remember is I won by taking extra shots of delicious gin okay, on the final okay, chapter of okay, King of the Ring. We're de- okay, we're not, nobody's here and nobody's disputing you right now. I won. And then I remember the fact that you lost the oh, second Okay, uh, you guys can join us on Spotify. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, you guys take care. <laughs> hmm. It's June, David, and it's the history of King of the Ring. You know, it, you know, you know. I'm going to ask this right away, and you guys already know the answer because obviously we're doing the show. But what? Well, before you do, oh. hit us up on Instagram oh, at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Go ahead, Jess. What's your thoughts? Well, it's June. <laughs> um, it's June. Basically, yeah. this is the King of the Ring month. King of the Ring used to be in June uh, when it was a pay-per-view. So I figured we would honor its legacy and uh, talk about it. And, you know, it, it, I, if if somebody doesn't cheat, if you ask somebody this trivia question, I guarantee you it would stump the majority you know, we all know the big four, right? We all know the big four WWF pay-per-views, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. What is the fifth pay-per-view that was added? I'll tell you, Dave. King of the Ring. King of the goddamn ring. I think I think Vince actually tried to call it King of the goddamn yes. ring, and I got censored. Yeah, it's some weird copyright bullshit. I don't know. But, it, yeah, the, <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't think that if you asked them, it would stump them for a second. People would be like, well, yeah, what was the fifth one? It was King of the Ring, which debuted in nineteen. It was your mom's house. It was what? my mother's oh. house, um, which debuted in 1993, uh, Kathy's house. And It probably really wasn't your house when we watched it, yeah? I want to say, I, I'm, yes, 99.9% sure it was at my house. That we had it in my living room. And I'm pretty. I yeah, know you were all that's there. Legit. I'm pretty sure you were all there. 
So it was, uh, I just think it's worthy to talk about, you know, like it's got a decent history and it's kind of cool. You know, they had everything themed, right? The Royal Rumble was like a kind of battle royal on steroids. WrestleMania was the super card. SummerSlam was the summertime super card. And the Survivor Series originally was like a four on four or a five on five elimination tag concept. So King of the Ring next was a tournament format, which don't get me wrong. Tournaments, I think, look really good on paper. And uh, we're going to get into some good shit. Don't get me. There's been a lot of good moments from the King of the Ring. But really, tournaments are kind of, to me, they're sort of like redundant. I don't want to say boring. WrestleMania 4 was boring. Um, but everybody remembers it because Macho Man won. Everybody loves Macho Man. So everyone's like, that tournament was awesome. That tournament was not awesome. And that's a fact. Look it up on, uh, look <laughs> it up on Wikipedia. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it it it's easy to get bored with the tournament or feel that it's repetitive because... You know, we've all been trained to, especially in WWF, if you grew up watching that promotion, that you get that, you know, you might get the interview from the superstar before the match, and then you're going to get that superstar coming out to their entrance, and then that's it, right? In a tournament, you might see that same person two, three times, sometimes four, depending on the side of the tournament. So if it's not booked right or done right, you could be like, God, like, you know, boring. I've already seen this wrestler three times. So it's, it's kind of like a very... I don't know how you guys think about it, but it's, it is. It's kind of like a an art form to book a tournament and make it interesting. Yeah. The tournaments are tough, man. They, they are. Great. And I think I think Vince McMahon and WWE would agree with that assessment. I think the history of King of the Ring just in general, it's not super consistent. I think they had years when they just used it as a house show, um, as like a little gimmick with never actually kind of revealing it. Um, and then you, there's no stories. You don't have time to invest um, storylines into some into t- tournaments, and sometimes you think th- they have interesting matchups during the whole thing, which you think, "Wow, I've never seen this before. This should be interesting." But I think, to your point, by and large, a lot of times um, they they don't work, or they're kind of a slog. Um, and I think King of the Ring kind of came and went. They had consistent years of a big pay per view, and then they kind of minimized the tournament and had you know, just semifinals for a couple of years and then it went away for a while and then they just use it to elevate specific guys like from Harley Race to Booker to Owen to Baron Corbin. Um, it's kind of a device that way. So to your point, it's a wacky history with it. It's been both buried in house shows for years in like at the same place in Connecticut. You never knew Don Morocco would have won the thing. And then some years it was... It's the it's the fifth pay per view and the one they chose to add to the big four. So a crazy history. There's a lot of there's a lot in it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because yes, like they started it actually in 1985 on the house show circuit, and the very first ever King of the Ring winner was Magnificent Morocco or Don Morocco or the Rock Don Morocco. I, what I find interesting is yeah, you can get away you can get away with a lot of stuff in the house shows like Craig said because Don Morocco beat the Iron Sheik in the finals. I I know. That Don Morocco was a heel back in 1985. And the Iron Sheik, unless I'm missing something, was never a face ever. Always a heel. So I just find it unique. And it was probably super boring to watch two heels face each other because there's no there's no up for the crowd, right? Like even if they there's pick no a, payoff. Yeah, even if they pick a favorite, it's still gonna be like, you know, 50-50 at best, you know, because they're both heels. So I just found that funny that that was the tournament final. The second one was held in 1986, July the 14th. King Harley Race defeated Pedro Morales. 
Yes, please. An over the hill hardly race and the over the hill Pedro Morales. Could you give that to me as well? Because by 86, no offense, they both were kind of over the hill. But actually, Harley Race wins a tournament here and adapts the name. He was the first guy to become the King Harley Race. So he used the King Monkier, you know, and put it with this name. When a man exceeds his own ability with the courage, the cunning, and the dignity, only then can the man be worthy of the title, the king of all professional wrestling. I crown you, and you only, the true king of professional wrestling. And from this day forth, you will give new meaning to the throne. He rode that forever, by the way. Oh, he did. Yeah, and so much. In fact, they they had fights for the crown, so people were beating people for the crown, you know, throughout history as well. Um, so the King of the Ring kind of inspired the crown, which you would see like King Duggan wear, King Macho, um, you know, King <coughs> King Mabel. Um, 1987, <laughs> 1987, Randy Savage defeated King Kong Bundy on September the 4th. This is right after they turn, uh, turned Savage Face. So it's kind of interesting. 87, Macho Man won the King of the Ring. That's kind of cool. The next year is even more interesting. 1988, October the 16th, Ted DiBiase beats the Macho Man in the finals to become King of the Ring. Ted DiBiase. Also interesting on this as well, Macho Man was world champion at this time. And he was defeated huh. by Ted DiBiase. Uh, 1989, Tito Santana would defeat Rick Martel in the finals to become King of the Ring. 19, They would skip 1990. 1991, Bret Hart would beat IRS in the finals to become wow. the King of the Ring. And then they would not do one in 92. And in 1993, on June the 13th, that would be their first pay-per-view for the King of the Ring, becoming now one of the big five pay-per-views in WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of jump a little bit more detailed into that. It was in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, you're good. It was in Dayton, Ohio. And what I like about the first one, um, we actually are going to be having an episode where we just cover the 1993 King of the Ring, like I'm talking about. But, you know, this is the first one. So I think it was kind of... This is the most defined I think you'll see it. Whereas Craig also stated but, that they kind of get bored and they they kind of try to tweak it like as they go on in the years. But this was like a legit, you know, tournament where they had the first round, the second round, and the finals on the air. And it was all about King of the Ring in 1993. That and, was, they, and they had the right interviews in between to make it worthwhile to make that next match viable in some realm of short storyline. But are you saying, Jess, based on what you just told me, that is Bret Hart the only repeat King of the Ring winner? Yes, you are correct. Bret Hart is the only person to win the King of the hmm. Ring twice. Well, there's there's your million dollar fucking trivia question right there. And we can just end it right here. Notables in '93, uh, <laughs> Bret would defeat Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals to win the King of the Ring tournament. Um, also on the card was Hulk Hogan defending the heavyweight championship against Yokozuna, where a dastardly cameraman would get on the apron and shoot fire in Hogan's eyes. And Yokozuna would drop a massive leg and defeat Hogan one, two, three in the center of the ring and crush the dreams of a Hulk Hogan lookalike fan in the front row, which we'll also cover on our individual (laughs) episode. Um, So that was notable. You know, they used the world title match. They had Hulk Hogan at the time to kind of draw it. But they were also trying to, I think, already kind of right the wrong from the way they screwed Brad at WrestleMania nine. Yeah. So I think they were just trying to get to show you that he is a fighting guy. He's a marathon man or whatever. Um, so it's kind of cool. Brett Hart, first pay-per-view champion. Go ahead, Craig. And the, the kind of the debut of Lawler and Hart's two kind of two year long feud, um, yes. spoiling kind of the coronation of it. Um, 
just just wanted to note that there was a lot in that um, King of the Ring um, from that, and that's when the, the the pageantry and the and the music that Jess heard you, you kind of starts and then goes from there, and it kind of not a lot of them really ended with the final of the King of the Ring as the, as the King of the Ring tournament went on, and this one finished with. It was kind of the most important match of the card was Brett and Bam Bam in the final. Spoiler alert. But we'll we'll talk more about it. It'll be a great episode when we dive in just to 93. A lot of significance. Yeah, so a lot of things, not only did this make Brett, like Dave said, two-time winner, one time just from the house show circuit, the other time when it actually aired on pay-per-view, but they were really trying to, I really, again, it was a big I'm sorry to Brett. You know, it was like, just hang in there. We're still going to feature you. We're going to work out this bullshit with Hulk behind the scenes. And, you know, we're going to try to get Yokozuna over like the monster we wanted to get him over as. And we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. But it was a good performance by Brett and Bam Bam uh, in the finals. And uh, and it was, a, it was a good show. It was a good way to kick it off. I felt it was very strong King of the Ring uh, to kind of. I know we'll talk about it, too. How underrated is Bam Bam? Bam Bam's fantastic. I mean, like, he could do anything like in there that you want. He can work with guys his size. He can work with guys smaller. But he didn't do the typical big guy stuff like you know Bundy you wouldn't be able to knock him off his feet or the one man gang or Andre you you just can't that the whole theme of that match would be like trying to get those people off their feet Um, or in some cases slam them you know if you're Hogan but like yeah here like Bam Bam knew like I got a bump and I don't I don't bump easy, but when I do, it's a big deal. And the way Bigelow always worked with Brett was fun to watch because they just flowed. It it was a little man versus big man match, but it was worked different. Only Brett could really work like this with big guys. I felt like when he would get a big guy in there, Brett would Yokozuna same way when he would face Yokozuna. He would knock them off their feet, but you because he didn't make the whole focus of the match. Can I get them off their feet? Which obviously that was always Hogan's goal in every match. Brett was more of like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, get them off their feet. But like, I got to do different things. Like if I normally would bulldog someone and that would take them off their feet, I got to bulldog this guy from the top rope. I got to, you know, do things that if I normally would beat this guy with a drop kick, I would probably have to drop kick him three times to get him off his feet rather than once. And like it, Brett just kind of knew like the way to work with big men. It was, it was cool to watch. And Bigelow is awesome to your point. Yeah, no, I all, all good. Now the I'm second ring, the second one, and this is awesome the way it kind of just kind of plays into a year long storyline. Nineteen ninety four, June the nineteenth, in Baltimore, Maryland, Owen Hart defeats Razor Ramon in the finals to become the king of the ring. So Owen is already like in a feud with Brett. He defeated Brett at WrestleMania ten, and it's awesome the way they kind of just told the story. You know, Brett kind of branched off on his own with the world title, but you knew Owen was going to come after him, winning the king of the ring just like my brother Brett did the year before was cool and a nice touch. And it was back when this company put storylines together, even if they were a year apart, they still sewed them together. And it was really cool uh, watching Owen. Little side note, actually, um, 
on this one, the main event of 93 was Brett was the finals, Brett versus uh, uh, Bam and Bigelow. Yeah. But the main event of this one was an awfully boring match between Jerry Lawler and Roddy Piper. Uh, just to, Aww. yeah, it was a no bueno uh, on that one. But the tournament itself was really good. And also this pay-per-view has, to me, I've said it before, if you want to watch, you know, people complain nowadays about only only got five minutes out there, you know, or only got 10 minutes with entrances. It only gave me six minutes to work. Go back and watch the one, two, three kid against Owen Hart from King of the Ring 94. It is a five minute match. It's glorious. You were talking about this before, yeah. It's glorious. It's the best five minutes. So anybody who bitches about not having enough time, do me a favor and go watch Owen Hart versus One Two Three Kid, and you tell me they did not milk every second awesomely of that five minute. It was like a five minute and thirty second match or something. It was amazing. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah, and I always liked during this time period in the early to mid nineties. It was kind of the the next pay per view or the next big one after the, the preceding WrestleMania. So you kind of um, saw things kind of continue and then storylines for the new kind of season after WrestleMania begin to develop. So you had Hart Hogan and Yokozuna the year before and you had Owen and Brett kind of begin kind of with this one or or, or continue. So I, I and I really like the consistency of kind of the brothers back to back and and Owen was great. I mean, just watch this and you just realize how kind of how, how cool he was. I think you had more time to kind of build an opponent. Like, obviously, they weren't going to put the title on Owen. It was going to stay with Brett for a bit. But, like, you could have him win the King of the Ring to further fuel his heel fire to where, like, he was a little bit more of a threat to Brett. Um, instead of normally that dead period from Mania to SummerSlam, you just had your syndicated television. And, and here they had Raw. In 94, they had Raw. Um, but at the same time, like, it was just kind of it was just kind of. You know, like a better tool, like to really build someone in between. So Owen didn't win a title per se, but he came up with the King of Hearts, which is a cool fucking name. And uh, and it just it got him to it was all about him. We all knew who the champion was and we all kind of knew the end game was going to be at SummerSlam. But in the meantime, they let Owen build himself and got a little bit bigger in everybody's eyes. So, yes, he pinned Brett at Mania, but then he wins this tournament and now he's the King of Hearts and he can go around bragging that I've beat Brett. I won the King of the Ring just like he did. Next step is to win the world title from him because I've already beat him and I'm doing everything that he did and I'm doing it better. And like, yeah, it's you don't see that cohesiveness of the storylines anymore. So for all the praise that we're going to shower on that, we're going to go to uh, 1995, June the 25th uh, in Philadelphia. And that's in that's a very important note. Uh, uh. Mabel defeats Savio Vega in the final. Already you can see the drop in quality and what kind of a year 1995 was to my soul. And he defeats him. He becomes King Mabel. Uh, this this pay-per-view is a goddamn mess. And it is most noted for not only the boring chants throughout the night, but also loud ECW chants because they were in Philly, which was the hub of ECW at the time. And ECW was catching major fire here in 95 and starting to draw in the hardcore fans, draw in the fans that were sick of the WCW and WWF bullshit. And they were, so it was just, it was known for being, I, I think people to this day say it's, it's one of the worst WWF pay-per-views ever. It's certainly the worst King of the Ring. It's it's I mean they're they're talent list and they they the main event was Bam Bam and Diesel 
against Psycho Sid and Tatanka. And I don't yes. remember this buildup, but that tells you that's awful as, as the, um, as, as the main event. And then Bret Hart and Jerry Lano had their kiss my foot match, which wasn't bad, but it's, it's a kiss my foot match. It's like, a waste of bread too. It's just big time. So, so, and, and, and that, I would say that's a good point. So I understand when you're looking back at this card and if you talk to someone like a Bruce Pritchard, you got to understand we're trying to build people. Okay. Uh, but I dispute that. Let me tell you why you have a Shawn Michaels in his prime. You have a Bret Hart in his prime. You have an Owen Hart in his prime. You have uh, a new emerging star diesel. You have razor Ramon in his prime. You have all those people I just named, but you go with King Mabel. And by the way, Savio Vegas in the finals. Another interesting note is a lot of bullshit politics were being played in the back by, by, you know, who Shawn Michaels and Ramon. So Ramon had a rib injury coming into this. He was originally supposed to be the guy that went to the finals and lost to King Mabel. That was the original plan, he didn't want to do that. but he got a rib injury and then started crying about it. And he was pulled. So they had just did rib injury. Yeah. They had just debuted Savio Vega, like a little bit before. So they panicked and they said, well, we'll put Ramon in his corner. We'll have Ramon endorse him. Cause you know, Razor Ramon's really Latin. And so they, <laughs> they pushed him over, but people still can't relate to Savio Vega. He was too new at this point. And then you also want to make this heel who, by the way, if, if everything went right the way Vince wanted it, here was uh, Mabel's road to winning the King of the Ring. He defeated The Undertaker in the first round. He was supposed to beat Shawn Michaels in the second round, and then he was supposed to beat Razor Ramon in the third round. That was what they legitimately had laid out for King Mabel. So I wow. kind of don't blame them, but at the same time, like Shawn and Undertaker jobbed. So what's your problem, right? And like it... it Undertaker lost to him in the first round. Shawn Michaels and Kama, who would later go on to become the Godfather, went to a draw in the first round. So you have like Shawn fucking Michaels, who you can use to draw in the tournament to keep interest going. You have him get eliminated in the first round, losing by a draw. Like, it's weird to me. It's all because Michaels was politicking in the back. He didn't want to put Mabel over because he didn't feel that Mabel was up to the task and that Mabel was of enough ilk to defeat him. Uh, same thing with Razor. Razor didn't like it. It's funny that they were best friends in the back, too. Really weird that they shared the same opinion. So it's like it's this whole fucking mess of 1995, them wanting to build new stars. Their current star is going, I don't, I don't really want to help you build that guy. I really don't want to. Like, he's not as good as me. And then you get a Savio Vega instead of a, a, a known draw like Razor Ramon. You get Shawn Michaels going, just beat me by a draw then. I don't want to advance to lose to this guy. So it's this whole thing where that was supposed to be his path to glory, was beating every single big person. And then he was going to start feuding with Diesel for the rest of the summer for the world title. Now, it's awful. It's all awful. The idea to push Mabel is awful because he was unsafe in there and he was clumsy. He was just super big and fat. Sorry. And but he was legitimately like six foot nine, six foot ten. So he's a big fucker. And don't. So Vince is just looking at like heel monster. Yes. And then he was desperately trying to get Diesel over as his Hogan. So like it just kind of then you add this like 
mutiny inside the company from the workhorses like Michaels and Ramon going, fuck you, fuck you, even though Diesel was their best friend, too. So it's just kind of like it's this whole melting pot of like all wrongness. And then ECW chance. This is boring. Worst pay-per-view ever. I don't. I don't know where to take it from there. I, I mean, we've already spent too much time on that year, because I think. <laughs> and what a palate cleanser! And talk about whether they stumbled into it or not. Nineteen ninety six um, is as forgettable as ninety five was. Ninety six is as um, epic as it gets for King of the Ring. Right, and this was the first year that they actually. And I forgot to mention this before. On the previous King of the Rings, 93, 94, 95, you had to win qualifying matches to enter the tournament. So you had to, like, win a match on Superstars, Wrestling Challenge, or Raw. So, and then that's how the people would qualify for the first round. And they would have the first, second, and third round all on the pay-per-view. This one here, you had to qualify a couple of months before. Then you had to wrestle the first round match. I believe they had them on Raw, Superstars, or Challenge. Then this was the first pay-per-view that they shortened the tournament. So just the semifinals, which was two matches, and the finals were going to be on the air. So already Vince was like, boring! Like, and it's his fault for putting up the 95 effort. Well, we all we all know that Vince was not a fan of tournaments. Right. It's pretty obvious. So what, it was just a really small, it was just like I said, the semifinals and the finals. It was uh, Mark Amaro against Stone Cold, which Stone Cold would go over. And then it was Jake Roberts winning by disqualification against Vader. And then Stone Cold would defeat Jake Roberts in the finals. And of course... This is the famous Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass promo. This was everything. It was all the legend that we hear about Austin. And the ironic thing about it is about a month before this pay-per-view, there was an infamous situation called the curtain call where on a house show at Madison Square Garden, heels and faces, and ironically, again, they were all part of the clique, uh, broke character because Diesel and Ramon were leaving the company. So Sean, Hunter, Diesel, and Razor thought it would be fun to break character at the end of the main event of the house show at Madison Square Garden and all hug and say goodbye. Where at the time, Ramon was a face, Helmsley was a heel, Michaels was a face and world champion, and Diesel was a heel here. But they all broke character, hugged at the end, all held each other's arms up in the air. That created such a fucking ripple in the locker room that Hunter Hearst Helmsley was supposed to win the 1996 hey, tournament. They got per- they got permission, Jess. They did. Legend has is they got permission, and Vince just changed his mind because the backlash was so brutal. So, w- well, and let's be real about it. If you want to break it down, I know people have seen this before. Um, who? Where does the blame go? Who's the champion? Right. The two people that are going to remain in the company were Hunter and Sean. Sean's the world champion yeah. and just recently crowned. So you're not going to punish him. Mm-hmm. Hunter was trying to kind of gain his way in the company and get some ground under him or whatever already, yep. you know, suffered the setback at in 1996 at WrestleMania when he lost to the warrior in 30 seconds. That was before <sighs> that was before he got punished. So now, yeah, he got super punished for the next year. He was in pig- because the other two Hall and Ash are gone. Yeah, Hall and Ash are gone. So who are you going to punish? You're going to punish Hunter. So, yeah, you th- you hear just that story and you're like, oh, that ki- that does kind of suck for Hunter. But then, like, if if none of that happened and Hunter won this tournament, we never would have gotten Austin 316. I know it's it's easy to say, but legitly wrap your mind around that statement. That's nuts, right? I, I it, it changes the course of the history of wrestling. Yeah, it changes the biggest, arguably the biggest draw. Since Hogan in the eighties, yeah. like I mean, they might, WCW might have put him out of business. They might not have survived had they didn't have that era. I mean, I mean, Stone Cold didn't didn't go out and win the championship like tomorrow, 
But that whole statement, that whole, I mean, 316 signs on Raw the next night were all over the Right. Stadium. Well, it like, kept him relevant, day. though. That's the thing is even though they fumbled mm-hmm. with him for the next year, just that statement got merchandise on the shelves and got some interest in, in Stone Cold to where the company's like, okay, we don't know what to do yet, but let's just let's just keep him around. We got to keep him in the plans here. And already he was kind of a veteran and a great worker, so he he knew how to get along with people in the back, and he knew how to work with people. So yeah, it all. I'm not saying that Austin wouldn't have figured something out, but I don't know with that legendary promo that doesn't happen. That pop that he got when he was like, "Austin 316 said I whipped your ass," and and he was talking. Jake Jake's walking right in front of him, and he's like, "You." thump your cheap your bible and your drink your cheap bottle of thunderbird he's just hammering on him right in front of his face like it's just if none of that happened it wrestling would have been so different so i'm i, I would have had five glad. less t-shirts what's that again? time i would have had five less t-shirts from that time <laughs> right because yeah 316 wouldn't have existed king of the ring stone cold steve austin an incredible victory the first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's so, but fear not, though, uh, Brave Warriors. Uh, in 1997, <laughs> in 1997, on uh, June the 8th, Hunter Hearst Helmsley won the King of the Ring tournament. So all is right. All is right. He defeated mankind. And he was never finals. punished again. Yeah, and, he was, and after that, it was all uphill <laughs> in private life and in professional life. Oh, no. And in the Triple H had a tough it, life going forward. It's super tough. I mean, Jesus, like he had to sleep with the boss's daughter. He had to do all kinds of crazy stuff. He got involved in DX, one of the biggest factions in wrestling history. He had a rough going of it, Dave, a rough going. Best friends with Shawn well, Michaels. Ste- Stephanie, Stephanie stuff to look at. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. that sounds terrible. So the, and the uh, the main event of that one too was the Undertaker defending the WWF Championship against Farouk in the main event of that one. So now we jump to '98. So okay, if you ask and, most people, if you ask most people, one thing what, about '97. Oh, sorry. sorry to interrupt, Jess, but '97 was also a 22 minute match between Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. It was a double DQ. It was oh, you're right. Match from yes, year. you're right. And this was also, yeah, didn't they win the tag titles together, but they were facing each mm-hmm. other as tag champions? Like, again, that that actually, yeah, illustrates the awkwardness. They were just trying to find somewhere for Austin to fit. And they were keeping him up to the top of the card, but they were just kind of, but yes, it was actually a good match. You're, you're correct. Um, now, if you ask most wrestling fans, you got to tell me what your favorite King of the Ring is. Everyone's going to say uh, 1998, because Mick Foley tried to kill himself three different times and he got through off the cage. He got chokes on through the cage. He landed on thumbtacks. So everybody remembers that in 1998. They also remember Stone Cold losing the title to Kane in a first blood match after that. And they kind of used the hell in the cell as sort of a weapon as well in that match, too. But a lot of people don't know because the pay-per-view is named King of the Ring. Who won the King of the Ring in 1998? I'll tell you. Ken Shamrock, of all people. And he was in a pretty entertaining. Nobody likes him. Uh-huh. 
Nobody likes him. You don't like him, Dave. Uh, in the finals, he defeated <laughs> he defeated The Rock in the finals, and they were in the uh, pretty a pretty fun feud actually for back then. It was really like The Rock's first like high profile feud. Even though he did briefly feud with Austin at the end of '97, um, the, he was a baby. Yeah, The Rock was IC champion here, and he took on Ken Shamrock at WrestleMania, and Ken Shamrock won by DQ. He actually made The Rock tap, but he refused to let the hold go, so the ref reversed the decision, and the cowardly Rock heel kept the IC title. Then they keep going here through the beginning of the summer, and Shamrock actually makes The Rock tap with an ankle lock and wins the King of the Ring, which is just interesting because again. Those other two monumentous moments, especially Taker and, and Mankind, are going to overshadow anything. But yeah, he, he won the King of the Ring here, and it's it's called the King of the Ring. But it's just kind of crazy that, like, you know, you see as wrestling, WWF is on fire here, you know, like, so it's just kind of yeah. started growing. And uh, it was a pretty entertaining match, actually. The Rock hits Shamrock with the most sickest chair shots you've ever seen right in the face. And Shamrock took every one of them right in the forehead. He's screaming like a girl. Look at him. Shamrock, he he had the whole package. He was just jacked. And he was he kind of took to it fairly quickly and was almost a natural. But I, I don't know whether he didn't have a love for it or he didn't. Um, I mean, he never won the title, did he? Did Shamrock ever win heavyweight title? No, he didn't. Uh, he was IC champion, and you know, he, he took that for a while. And but uh, yeah, it was really weird. Like yeah, he did take to it really well and kind of remind. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, <laughs> what do you? Come on, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to deny Ken Shamrock and his ability to beat the shit out of anyone on this earth, especially in his prime. But it's Ken Shamrock. I mean, they're they're. <laughs> You guys know this, right? I hate to be like that stickler, that asshole in, in the podcast, but there's there's two distinct things you have to have. You have to have skill in the ring, and you have to have the ability to work the mic. Ken didn't have it. You can argue that all you want. No, he's good. No. No, Ken absolutely no. had the talent in the ring. I don't know what, no, I don't know what you're talking about. On. In the no. ring? Yes, in the ring, he absolutely ring? had the talent to wrestle. No, no, that's but, not even a question. I'm talking the about mic, the other yeah, side he was, of it. He was, uh, he needed, uh, a mouthpiece, as a they work. say. Like, he needed some work, for sure. Yeah. And you all know, the three of us on this podcast, that's the difference. That's why he never got the rocket strapped to him. Are you all you want? Well, he was great. Mm. No. Work it out. I'm surprised Get you don't together. like Shamrock, because... Because he he, not, he, he, looked, not, he reminds me of Paul Roma, who you love, and and, <laughs> walk, and walks like Hercules, who you also love. So I'm, I'm not yeah, sure why you. Hey, you know you know the difference is those guys got a mic piece most of the time for him. Shamrock didn't. If Shamrock had gotten a Paul Heyman behind him, you could have seen the first listener. Let's be real about it. Shamrock would have destroyed people with Paul Heyman. Next to him, yeah. speaking for him. Yeah. And the, the most unfortunate match that had to follow that Unshaken Mankind, people, I don't even know if you people remember, but they had a first blood match to finish off the main event, which I don't remember because everyone was just still out of breath from Undertaker and Mankind. It was actually, it, <laughs> Kane won Kane. the world title from Austin in that match. 
And then the next night on Raw, Austin won it back. So it was just a, a big wee, like it was a big thing. <laughs> but WWF could do whatever they want back here because they're on fire. So going to 1999, it starts going downhill here. Uh, Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn, wins the King of the Ring by defeating X Pac in the finals. Um, I like I, to kick him. I like to stick him. <laughs> I'm an ass man. I'm an ass man. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't really remember too much from that. The main event was Vince and Shane McMahon versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in a ladder match for control of the World Wrestling Federation. Don't ask. Ask Vince Russo if you have a problem with. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what to tell you. But um, I don't want to ask Vince Russo any. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine. Apparently, they could do no wrong because I don't remember this King of Ring that much. And even when no. I was trying to research a little bit, I was watching little clips of some matches from it a couple of days ago, and I was like, nothing in here like got me excited at all. I mean, if it <laughs> if it hadn't been for the whole hot Vince versus Stone Cold storyline, which was still raging on in ninety nine, um, I don't think it would have been a great pay per view at all. But that's fine. Let's move to two thousand, which is a little bit more happy pants. Uh, June the twenty fifth in two thousand. Kurt Angle defeats Rikishi in the finals to become the king of the ring. Fucking now we're talking. Um, Kurt Angle. Um, so, yeah, like that is a nice, uh, good catch. Good save from 1999. And in the main event of that, uh, it was the McMahon-Helmsley faction. Uh, Triple H and Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon versus The Rock, Kane, and The Undertaker. All for the WWF Championship. Again, Russo wasn't even here at this point, so you kind of can't ask Russo. Uh, ask Vince McMahon <laughs> if you have a problem with this. I don't know. Um, again, so who who if you win if you pin you win the champ kind of like the icy thing with um, Sami Zayn. You if you're the one that yeah, pin you win. Yes, the- I believe it was I that. I believe it was. And I'm going to be honest, Dave. I didn't. <sighs> I didn't care to get that information. I'm just more excited that Kurt Angle won the King of Ring. Yeah, that's some more important part. But, and then uh, we go forward to 2001. Uh, Edge won the King of the Ring, lastly defeating Kurt Angle. And I, this is really a stupid mm. question because I should know the answer on this. I also remember this being the year where Kurt Angle fought another match outside of the tournament against Shane McMahon in a street fight. And he tried to belly to belly him through window like a bunch of times and dropped Shane on his head about. Is that the times. same? That's the same. Period. Yes, it's it was King night. of the Ring for sure. And it was, yeah, it was the same night. I remember him wrestling specifically a different Three match. Three times he wrestled. Yeah. Yes, he, yeah, he wrestled in the tournament and he lost to the finals against Edge, but he tried to uh, murder Shane Mur- McMahon. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember watching this pay-per-view and not being impressed overall with it, but I remember that street fight because Shane's fucking crazy and I have my <clears> opinions about Shane. But yeah, they, these... You know what's uh, really funny about that? We just did our Kurt Angle legacy of in our archives, like, what, less than a week ago as we record right now. And there was so much to talk about with Kurt Angle. This this match, I don't, I don't even think came up. That, that, no. That's how good Kurt Angle is. No. And this match is, you know, you're talking about Shane McMahon. It's just absolute fire. So much to the point of where they, they attempt to go through the glass 
And apparently they did some paint work on the glass that made it a little bit yeah, there was uh, a, less likely to break. Covering like a lot, them, right? Dave. Uh, apparently the paint was made out of fucking concrete. Like, yeah. I mean, watching, yeah, because Angle threw it into him pretty hard. It wasn't yeah, one like pain either. Times. They couldn't break two panes. Yeah. They he 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 couldn't break them going through <clears> one of them <throat> off the stage to backstage, and then the second one from the second panel of glass backstage to the the rampway again. And it, each one took like three times, and it finally he had to throw them head first into it. And they're both like they were both bleeding like stuck pigs. So sugar yeah. glass, it was not. So or for people who don't know what we're talking about, the entranceway was set to where, you know, you would come out to the ring through the opening. But on either side of the opening was like windows with like the King of the Ring logo. Frosted like glass. Yeah. 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 Frosted glass. And they were they were rigged with yeah. sugar glass. You knew. Yeah. It, but by the way, you knew at the beginning of the night that someone's fucking going through those. Glass. I swear. I distinctly remember. I don't remember if all of us were together, but I, I was watching on a pay-per-view in my house and people were over. We were all like someone's going through those fucking windows like or one of them. We knew it. We knew it. <laughs> I did not know that it would be a failed attempt and Shane McMahon be dropped on his head repeatedly like four or five times. And yeah, it's. It's hard to describe. To the point where it was reported that Vince was pissed this close to stopping the match because yeah. it was his son out there. Yeah. She's getting dropped on his head. I don't I know whether he, he was selling or not, but at the end of it, it's an angle slam from the top turnbuckle after angle hits on him a with table. Like this piece of Didn't wood like on a, a table? table. Yeah. And Shane McMahon's eyes were like an eye, like rapid eye movement, like REM sleep when you go to sleep and they were like kind of pulsing mm-hmm. in a very strange way. He just, he like, looked like, like he like was out on his feet. So what, whether he's selling or not, my God, he's just, he looked dead. Yeah. It it's incredible. worth it. Go back. If anyone's listening to this and go to King of the Ring 2001, watch a street fight between Shane and Kurt Angle. It's probably the best match on the card for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, the, it, that, that sequence where he was just trying to belly to belly him through the window would have been cool. Even if it went off without a hitch, but it, wow. Like it went South quick. Situation in position here being on the, unex- the exposed concrete floor. Right in front of the King of the Ring set. Oh, oh good God Almighty! Shane McMahon thrown with a suplex upside down, and then I think Shane's head just bounced right off the, the concrete floor. Shane McMahon is down, and again, this match cannot be won. But in the ring, you gotta believe it's falls down anywhere. Angle might be able to take it right here. Oh, I think Kurt Angle now just needs to bring Shane back to the ring and beat him. People want to give Shane McMahon so much shit, especially now when he's kind of involved in wrestling. I agree with him. Which, by the way, has been, what, well over six months since he's been involved. But when you watch matches like this, you're like, man, that boy could be in whatever ring he wants to be. He he can do the work, you know, and, and this match proves it. If you can go in there with Kurt Angle and not fuck it up, even with a lot of fuck ups that were not their fault, um, yeah, you belong in there. I don't know what I felt. I honestly can't remember what I felt about Shane McMahon back in 2001, but I now from in 2020, I totally disagree with you. I can't stand him. And I actually, I, I feel like he, I get that. I feel like he takes away from people who work on their character and work on these moves. You know, Rob Van Dam was known for the coast to coast. And then Shane, who basically is a manager, like when you think about it, that's what kind of character he was in a sense. I mean, manager is probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean? He wasn't a wrestler, an active wrestler. He just does it. 
you know, I've always hated that. And he'll just do other things. Like, you know, I'm like, well, that that other wrestler, like, you know, he'll fall off the highest thing in the building. I'm like, Mick yeah. Foley has earned the right to fall off everything in the building because he fucking, that was his craft. That's what he developed hardcore wrestling. He fucking was the first guy to be like, I'm falling off that shit. And I got to find out how to land good and make it to where I don't like die. I almost die. Like, and that was his thing. And then Shane comes, he's like, Oh, fall off this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fucking do close why, to close. Why like, are you so mad? At, why are you, why are you so mad at Shane for that, bro? Where he came from? I get it. I mean, I, I, I know he's a rich boy, but he's still put his life. has nothing to do with it. I mean, that's fine. The jackass stars did the same thing. Right. But like, I mean, it's, it's just, that's fine. That's fine. So Shane has his fans. Some people love them too. Shane has his fans. Like I, I just, I, and I don't remember, like I said, I legitimately don't remember what my demeanor towards him was. I think we respected him and he was, it was breathtaking. And you're like, okay, he walks the walk. He does what everyone else does. He's not just the boss's son. He can take a massive amount of punishment. But to your point, Jess, I think, the later on and when he goes away and comes back that, I mean, there's 40 guys on the roster that would love to be able to do a stunt like he does every time from the heights he falls and yeah. to have the protection and the rehearsal and the money put towards that stunt. Um, so was he ever super great in the ring? No. Uh, did you kind of respect him in a way um, that you respected kind of Vince? Yeah. Yes. But um, he wasn't a great wrestler and he did, he he took Van Damme's move and he was good for, and even now and he just, he blows up immediately. He to, sweats immediately. I don't know if he's good. To the, last, to the last six months, it wasn't needed. There was someone else no. in that back locker room that could have done it better. Yeah. So I, I understand that. And I, and I get sure. ultimately, right. Like it's character first, right. We have to spend our disbelief and just believe in the character. Okay. Like, and, and I, Craig's right. I think back in the day we did respect him, or at least I wasn't offended by him. I think as I got older and stuff now, I'm just like, fuck, like, you know, yeah. is there anybody else's movie you want to fucking copy? Like to demean like what they've done with their life's work? Like, come on, like, yeah. you know, you, you, Rob Van Dam is an athlete, and I'm not saying Shane's not. Well, I don't know if he is actually. He can fall off shit, and he could get dropped yeah. on his head, and he's fine with that. But RVD is a legit athlete and worked to become a professional wrestler and work hard and also develop a style that nobody else was doing. And jumping from one corner to the next is fucking phenomenal. So obviously, you have to protect that. Are there other athletes? Shelton Benjamin, even Shawn Michaels, they could probably do the same thing. Yeah. But Shane McMahon, a non wrestler, is just do it, pal. Go ahead. Like, it's just, okay. All right. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's the way I feel as I got older. But Craig's right. I think back in the day, we did legitimately respect him. And I remember us all being concerned when he was dropped on his head multiple times for sure. Like, because everybody, everybody knows it's a show, right? But when something real starts happening, you're like, no, that's real. Like Craig said, noticing his eye movement and stuff. So it was compelling for sure. So I, I have to admit that. But uh, and now let's jump on to well, in the main event, actually, on that card in 2001 was Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF championship. Austin would end up winning, of course, but like that match is pretty fucking phenomenal. So that was a pretty good, pretty good ending to that show. Um, I remember that match and then Kurt Angle against Shane being the kind of two bright spots. But other than that, I thought the tournament at this point was becoming an afterthought. Yeah, even it was it called, completely. You know, the last three years was just yeah. like uh, Mr. Ass, Shamrock, and I mean, Angle was good, but yeah. Yeah. So, and then the the last pay-per-view, King of the Ring, was in 2002, June the 23rd. Brock Lesnar would become the King of the Ring um, in that, on that night, I should say, excuse me. Um, He defeated Rob Van Dam in the finals. Speaking of which, he defeated Rob Van Dam in the finals. Everybody knew that Lesnar was like a goddamn bulldozer back here. And he was the next big thing. 
uh, both figurative, figuratively and literally, and he was awesome. And so it was kind of cool. You kind of expected Brock Lesnar to go over here. The Undertaker defended the World Championship against Triple H uh, in the main event of the card, but it was the last King of the Ring that was going to be held on a pay-per-view. And then you didn't see another King of the Ring until um, 2010. And you actually no, also, you also had Angle and Hogan, which was quite a yes, uh, an attraction. Hulk Hogan point. tapping, Hulk Hogan tapping for the first time in his career yeah. on that card. Yeah. Um, actually, excuse me, I, I made a mistake. They didn't have another King of the Ring until 2006 where Booker T defeated Bob Lashley and became a king of Booker. And it was, it, this, the King of the Ring tournament was not held in a pay-per-view. It was held on Raw. Matches were held on SmackDown. And uh, they did it back and forth. And I want to say the finals were at Judgment Day or some pay-per-view like that. But Booker T, yeah. Booker T was the next King of the Ring in 2006. They skipped 2007. 2008, William Regal defeated CM Punk on an episode of Raw. Again, the tournament was held over a couple of weeks on Raw um, to crown a new King of the Ring. 2010, Sheamus would defeat John Morrison in the final, same fashion. And then Bad News Barrett would become King of the Ring in 2015. So five-year gap between King of the Rings here. Injury prone. Oh, what? Stop it. He defeated Neville. Uh, in the finals. And the 2015 King of the Ring is notable notable because it was one of the very first on- network only, excuse me, I, I, my tongue is tied, uh, network exclusive pay-per-views. So it wasn't really pay-per-view, but they called it that. But you had to have the WWE Network to get this pay-per-view. And I want to say it was held over two nights or something like that. So they kind of tried to get, you know, interest on the network and everything. So you had to get the network to see the 2015 King of the Ring. And then the recent one, which Dave is humiliated. Dave was uh, embarrassed. Dave uh, had to take shots. Dave is a loser. Dave is a piece of shit. Dave is a piece of crap. 2019, uh, Baron Corbin defeats Chad Gable, who Dave bet on, and I bet on Baron Corbin, and he won the King of the Ring. Uh, Dave lost to defeat. Uh, I became the King of the Ring of this podcast. And I took some delicious monkey 47 shots. You can hide it all you want to, but I was the victor. And no other bet counts. So that was it. That's it. That's the... There are are bets that count where you drank out of my own shoe. That's the history. Your mic's not working right. I don't know. No, no, what happened? I don't hear you. Um, So yeah, that's the... Hello. (laughs) That's the history of the King of the Ring. Uh, You know... Craig said it best too at the end here too. You kind of felt the tournament not becoming important, and then they did try to wrestle it back, and you know they used it on launch. I, I, I felt like they just used it to build up certain people for certain moments. In yes. the last like decade yeah. or so, it's, yeah, it's always an opportunity to make a guy that needs a little, a little, a little help, or needs a gimmick, or needs a push to to put him in kind of the the mindset of and that top echelon of kind of talent. Like I think the last time it worked successfully and was used well was King was, was Booker um, was Booker T. And then it's, it's kind of, but and again, Craig, they used it, Craig, and pulled it out for the network. It's King Booker. King Booker. Um, Booker. And then yeah, you talk about, you know, it's like we, 
we can get shitty with Vince about how he wants to break people down and then build them back up and they have to learn the WWE way. You know, we thought Booker had the fucking goods right when he walked in the fucking door. I mean, and Vince knew we that too. Knew that. Let's be honest. Vince knew that too. But it took so much time for them to finally, so they give him this stupid shit. And this is what does define legends from people who just are like, fuck you. I'm not saying the people that say, fuck you, I'll take my ball and go home somewhere else are bad. I'm not saying they're not talented. But Booker had two choices when they gave him this gimmick that he could have been like, fuck, man, really? Like, oh, I'm going to be the king, Booker. It's so stupid. Or he could have been, I'm king of Booker and Make held his fucking work. pinky up and made it his own and had Queen Charmel come out with him and do this crazy, funny shit. Yeah. And he had this, he had it's a British like accent. Just bro. He had a British accent for no reason, which was fucking genius. <laughs> and like, yeah, he was awesome. And then after that, they put the title on him or one version. It was the World Heavyweight Championship. And that was Booker's first heavyweight championship in WWF since coming over in 2001. So it took him. Six time. Yeah, it took him like five years to wake up. But again, you know. I think it's to Craig's point. It's what you make of it. And Booker just decided to be like, I want this to be my persona. I'm going to be King Booker and I'm going to do a British accent and I'm going to be obnoxious. I'm going to put my pinky up in the air. And that's awesome. And it just showed, I mean, we all knew it before and I get Vince had to have known what of gold mine he was before, but you have to think during the ruthless aggression era, which was that whole period, how many big names did Vince fucking have Uh, all of them, all of them, you know, after WCW. So, Booker had to show Vince that I will take your shit, your cartoon shit. I will stir it up and I will combine the ingredients the way I see fit. And I will come out. And this is my, this is my thing. Ta-da. And Vince is like, I love it. And ever (laughs) since then, like Vince, you could tell Vince treated him with respect, put him in the main event. They always loved Booker after that. You could tell the Bookers even loved him, you know, after that. And he was no different than 20 years before that in 86. Harley Race comes from the NWA completely like the best wrestler in the world that wasn't a WWF wrestler and the history. And while he was on the back end of his career and towards the end, he was still Harley race, but he needed uh, to be win this tournament and be a gimmick of a King to be in Vince McMahon's eyes or to be a WWF superstar, which is wacky. So it's like you do what he says and you eat the shit sandwich and it works or not, or you do it. And And he did it, but he didn't come in as, the history of Harley race of who I am and multiple right. time world champion. He was just a shitty King. And, and yeah. Vince has always been like that. And it's funny. Yeah. We're, we're always surprised when he fucks with someone that we know is really talented. And then we look at it in the long run. We're like, of course he did. Why would he not? Like, that's just what Vince does. It's like the military. They, this is the only show in town. We're going to break you down and build you back up. We don't give a shit what skills you had before. You're going to get broken down. You're going to learn our structure. And then you can kind of apply your talents to our structure. And that's, WWF's always yeah. been that way. Always yeah. been and, that way. And, and that's, you know what? that's why Mabel has had a sure. 21 and 0 record at WrestleMania. Right. Whoa. Absolutely. Whoa. Hey, watch out. Mabel is, pr- I think, all, 22 all world, all... 22 time world champion Mabel is yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's the greatest wrestler of all time. But, uh, but, uh, but in all seriousness, to your point, where stripping down and building back up, even Dusty wore polka dots. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Hit, click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. This is Dave, Jess, and Craig with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. You smug asshole. And like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, I am doing what I can to put our podcast on Google Podcast. And I am pleased to announce 
While I was editing this podcast, I put it up on Google Podcasts. So for those Android users, our wrestling podcast is now available on all those platforms David just mentioned and Google Podcast. Until next time, this is our wrestling podcast.